Ready. Hey. Just in the middle of the field, 45, 50. Greengrass in front of him, leaving Lions in his way. I am Jeff Joniak. Blitz is on. Down he goes. Brisker. What was it like playing for Coach Dicka? Uh, I don't want to answer any questions like that. 61 yards. Ooh. A Sunday stroll for Justin Fields. Now, Bears, etc. with the voices of the Chicago Bears, Jeff Joniak and Tom It's a five-game winning streak at home and a excellent performance. Across the board, all three phases of the Bears knock down the Atlanta Falcons and await the final showdown of the season. I'm Jeff Joniak, along with my broadcast partner on ESPN 1000 and the Bears Radio Network. The one and only Tom Thayer, the Super Bowl winning Bears guard who's already got his game face on for Packer Week. This is a Packer Week you like to say all the time. I know for the opener you said this. This is going to be an opener unlike any other. Now it's week 18. I'm going to hear you say it's going to be a matchup like no other. Bears-Packers, another round in the great chapter of a great rivalry. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of bunched these last two games together because they were both really important to me. I wanted to see Bears finish the home season on a high note, play well, as you mentioned, in all three phases. But I need to see it carry on to Green Bay because ultimately if they're going to reach the goal that the Chicago Bears as an organization want to reach, it's about convincing themselves and the players and showing the country that they can win division games on the road. And I think this is a really important step in the success of 2024. Um, Not the first week of 2024, but the end of 2024. So um, I'm telling you, I just, um, it's it's an emotional game for the, uh, the Bears alumni. And it should be equally as emotional for the active players and coaches. Let's drill down on that because I think people don't assume that. They just, you know, they look at this as just your job. Uh, But, man, you have poured your entire adult life into the Chicago Bears as a player, as a TV personality, and a broadcaster for 27 years, going to be 28 in 2024. Um, Will you kind of put it in a box for everybody to understand why you're so passionate about this particular Match up every time against the Green Bay Packers. I mean, Tom, it's your life. It really is. Like, this is your life. Football is your life. I was born in 61, and I've been a Bears supporter my whole life. Um, The first game I ever went to in Soldier Field as a a fan was the Bears-Packers game. Hmm. But I was raised in the Bear family by Mike Ditka. And there's nobody that was more passionate about the rivalry than Mike Ditka. Because he was, he learned the rivalry from George Hallis. And then, yeah, did he go to other teams and play and other teams and coach and he had the success? Yeah. But I think when you coach for a guy like Tom Landry in Dallas, you understand rivalries. But when you play for a guy like George Hallis, you understand the importance of life's commitment to your football team inside your division and how badly you need to succeed. And uh, Mike Ditka, every single game that we played the Green Bay Packers, no matter how good we were and how bad they were or how good they were and how bad we were, it took a certain sense of seriousness in the approach that lasted weeks before and it lasted weeks after. Did you ever go to a Bears training camp? 
uh, before becoming a player as a kid? <laughs> Listen, I'm like I said, I met Clyde Emmerich when I was 14 oh, years right. old driving to a camp. I went there as a 16-year-old. I went there as a 20-year-old. And then I went there as an active player when I drove my scooter to Platteville. So, were you ever able yeah. to meet Mr. House? Um, I did not, um, and unfortunately for me, I would have met him if I would have come to the Chicago Bears when I was drafted by them. However, um, I went to the USFL instead. Um, but any regrets know, about that? Any regrets? In, oh, in, you know, um, I don't have regrets. Because I always wanted to stay in Chicago and I wanted to support my family and I wanted to be supported by my family. And the only way I was guaranteed that by signing with the Chicago Blitz before the draft was signing with the Chicago Blitz and no, I'm staying there. However, I learned more about the Chicago Bears over two year period with George Allen mm. than I did almost anybody else. Mm. His love and affection for the Chicago Bears, for George Hallis, Hallis, his coaching time spent with him, the development of his career and his thinking process of George Hallis and the Chicago Bears, it played an incredibly important role in his football life. And there was nobody committed to football more than George Allen. And then to come aboard the Chicago Bears and play for Mike Ditka, who had the same um, you know, investment in the rivalry. If you couldn't meet George Hallis, Playing for George Allen, playing for Mike Ditka, it was probably two of the best people outside of George Hallis that you could be up, you could be around and grow up around. Now the fibers and the branches of that coaching tree, for sure. And George Allen was defensive coordinator, and if I'm not mistaken, he also doubled his special teams coach, right? Yes. Yeah. He was excellent. You know, it's funny because when I played for George Allen, he um, got a projector for me. And he says, I'm going to teach you throughout your career how to watch tape. And he says, the reason I want you to learn how to watch tape is because when you leave me and go play for the Bears, I want you to be starter ready the day you get there. Wow. And I think, I think it was an influence of George on the Chicago Bears and how important it was for me to be mentally and physically prepared the day I walked into training camp. That's a fascinating story. He cared about you that much. He got you your own individual projector. God, and on, I'm telling you, there's other examples of George Allen. So he would set tapes on his desk and he would say, I want you to pick these tapes up. I want you to watch them. And then I have some questions for you after you watch them. So he gave me a, t a nickel reel of just pass rushing. And so I sat there, Jeff, and I watched that tape and I rewatched it and I took notes. I knew every stunt they ran. I knew every defensive lineman that I was facing. The first question he asked me when I got in oh, there no. was, who's the nickelback? <laughs> and I, I had no idea. He goes, he goes, Tom, wow. that's what's important about it. If you don't know every player and everybody that comes in during this down and distance, how do you know if they're going to blitz? How do you know if they're going to bring pressure? And I'm telling you, it's questions like that that he asked me that um, stopped me in my tracks, but also changed the way I looked at tape from that moment on. What a great story. What a great story. That's what this podcast is all about. Bears, et cetera, podcast brought to you by PNC, official bank of the Bears. I could go on and on with this. 
uh, but uh, time restraints uh, won't allow it. We got to break down that game yesterday. First of all, uh, what sticks out the most? And after watching it again, I'm assuming you uh, have further thoughts. I really want to dig into the line of scrimmage on both sides. First of all. Well, what sticks out for me is so you don't have Cole Komet, you didn't have Darnell Mooney, you were kind of uncertain about uh, the guys that took it, took up their role in which, you know, Robert Tanyan and EQ St. Brown and Tyler Scott, all those guys. Colin Johnson. Colin Johnson, yes, yeah. Yes. Um, but it's, it's more of what the offensive line in Khalil Herbert has done the last two weeks. Because after Khalil Herbert got injured in the Commanders game, I didn't know if we were going to see that Khalil Herbert uh, again. That before he got hurt, that was explosive, that was committed to the point of attack, that was picking up his feet in the hole, that had vision that took him to exactly where the how and where the play was going to open up. And so you put Tevin Jenkins back in the game, and the offensive line doesn't skip a beat. They go from 250 yards rushing to 192 yards rushing. But it's the compliment that Khalil Herbert has paid the offensive line. And not I'm not overlooking Roshan Johnson and, and Justin and all their roles. However, when you get to this stage of the season, I wanted to see that Khalil Herbert again. And um, last week from the very first play of the game when he exploded up the middle of the defense against the Arizona Cardinals. Could he repeat that performance? And he did. And then you go on the other side of the ball and you look at how many contributions the defensive line made to make the overall defensive performance better. And we're not reliant upon Montez Sweat getting multiple sacks every game is how can Montez Sweat complement Demarcus Walker and Devon or uh, Dexter Jr. and Zach Pickens and Billings and all the guys that got in a three-point stance on the line of scrimmage, and it filtered to the linebackers all the way back to the defensive backs. What are you seeing in terms of protection against Sweat here in the last couple of weeks? Are there any changes on the offensive lines or what they're doing? Their blocking schemes. In the run or the pass. Yeah. You know, they're putting running backs in a chippable position. And if Montez Sweat wins his rush immediately, then before they go out in a route, which slows down the process of that third receiver, then they're committed to make sure that they, they get a shoulder or a body to Montez Sweat. They line up a tight end over the offensive tackle. And before that tight end can go out and be the second or third option, he has to make sure that he gets hands to Montez Sweat. And it's not always a guarantee it's going to slow him down. Then if he has the gifted one-on-one opportunity, whether it's at home on the road, the way that he uses his power and length in a combination to win the rush before an offensive tackle can get his hands on him, he's already pushing the back of the – offensive lineman into the path of the throwing lane of the quarterback. So there's so many ways that he's destructive. And then now let's slide it down. Now you're opening up one-on-ones to the opposite defensive tackle, the opposite defensive end, or the defensive tackle that's next to him. Billings is doing a really nice job of shifting the strength of the defensive line according to the formation that he's seeing. And then after the quarterback gets into his cadence, he can open up that one-on-one opportunity for Montez Sweat. So it's not a one-man job, 
It's a front seven's job. And a lot of time the defensive line is being led on command by Billings, and it's creating opportunities for Sweat and all the other characters. Here on the Bears Etc. podcast, Tom and Jeff, Miller Lite, the official beer of the Chicago Bears. Tastes like Miller time, Chicago. Time for our status at Hallis with head coach Matt Eberflus. Welcome back, Big Matt. Missed you last week. Uh, I was on other details with uh, Marquee Network, so glad to have you back on the podcast. Uh, what a terrific game yesterday. It was one of my favorites. And I'll tell you, from my perspective, it's the three phases and the coaching. Everything was great. Crowd was great. It all came together. Yeah, it was, it was good. And, uh, again, I want to thank the fans uh, for the year. Um, certainly a, a great finish, 5-0 and um, at home. Um, you know, to finish out the, uh, the season there. And uh, just uh, want to thank those guys one more time and Happy New Year to, to the fans as well. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the game was really good, you know, in terms of the, just offense, defense, and kicking. I think it was great complimentary football with field position, uh, with the turnovers, obviously getting the four turnovers, setting some short fields uh, for us. I think we were three out of four on scoring off those sudden chains. We were working hard on those. And, uh, you know, we just didn't get the one right before the half. You know, uh, the TJ interception, but every other one of those, and including the uh, punt return, you know, we got a good three and out there late in the game and got the punt return to the 44. We also converted on that one, too. So that's a definitely a, a step in the right direction in terms of complimentary football. Another good game run on the football, too. Uh, obviously, Justin and his uh, uniqueness, but Khalil Herbert and the guys up front, the people movers, did the job. Yeah, they, they really did. When you start talking about running the football, uh, it starts up front. You know, and, and it goes out to the tight ends and the receivers um, after that. And uh, the guys did a really good job with that. I thought Herbert uh, made some really nice cuts in there and did some really good job. I thought he finished, you know, the, the runs with style, you know, with our style, the Chicago style, and, uh, you know, uh, knocking it forward. And I think that's, uh, that's a big improvement. I love what you just said, Chicago style. You got it. There's a difference, isn't it? You want it to be a difference. Like, that. that's – that is Chicago style. We, this team, you want it to be as nasty as possible playing yeah. within the rules. Yes, you know no I mean? doubt, no doubt. All and, phases. And again, we got a, we had a couple personal fouls yesterday, which which uh, we can't have, you know. And again, that's not part of it. But but what is part of it is us knocking things forward, knocking them back, you know. So that's a that's an important part uh, to our to our team and to our philosophy. Secondary buzzing again. I'll give the whole back seven. The front did its thing. Tom and I broke down. Uh, the whole defense last night on our Fox TV show, he was on the defensive line. I I just took the back seven. I took the whole back seven because uh, he got eight, eight eight interceptions from the linebackers this year. And you say all the time, you know, the weak side position, that's where everything gets funneled. That, that position is going to make plays. Your nickel is going to be an impact player. Kyler is an impact player right now. Uh, what, what's happening on this defense all coming together, and this is the greatest compliment, as Tom and I just spoke on earlier in the podcast here, Teams don't want to play the Bears right now. This is a a tough team to play right now. At the end of a season, if you've got hopes and dreams and whatever uh, as a a team coming in or you're going to play on their turf, that's the greatest compliment you can have right now. Yeah, the guys are coming together, and it's really just uh, the continuity, you know, of the guys. And we have some talented pieces, you know, on both sides of the ball um, and in the kicking game. But uh, when when those guys start to, you know, play the game, you know, and start to play off each other, I think that's what you're starting to see. And they understand the coverages. They understand, um, you know, the nuances of the coverages and how we play those. And you can see they're in the right spot at the right times. And uh, that's really just a, you know, a compliment to their hard work, 
you know, and the coaches' hard work that they've put in over these, uh, you know, seven, eight weeks of improvement that we've seen, you know, going through all the way back to the Washington game. Yeah, if you were to graph this, I mean, it's going to be pretty much an angle with very few dips, right? It's a straight angle up, right? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's like, uh, I think it was from week, uh, you know, from, from the Washington game, if you got yep. all the way through, it's 18 points a game. If you do the last five, I think it's like just at 15 points a game. You know, so that's really ultimately what you, uh, you know, are deciding if you're a good defense or not. I'm even defense. talking about the whole team. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I thought you were talking about defense. Yeah. Yeah. No, no doubt. The whole football team, you know, in terms of the, the, you know, the turnover, turnovers are less. You know, Justin's done a good job protecting the ball. Our whole football team has done a good job protecting the ball. Um, you know, and then obviously scoring's up, you know, for our offense, and, and it's been good. And the punting pins have been better. You know, Gill's been doing a great job with that. Our cover teams, the protection teams, uh, you know, for you know, our special team units have been really well, doing really well lately. Time of possession, I think you're second in the league, and it's been the highest since 1977. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. You know, like yesterday you, you see the, the offense do really, you know, sustained drives. You know, that's and how you do that is through getting explosive plays and you convert on third and fourth down. And we did all those things yesterday. And uh, that's how you keep the ball. Plus, you keep your defense fresher. You could be a little more aggressive, maybe. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that, you know, Tom's always telling me 85 Bears led the league in time of possession all the time. And that defense wasn't on the field very much. But when they were, I mean, they were flying all over the place, as we know. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's the, I mean, that's there, the bounce. There's a part to the, the time of possession, it's really a team stat. Uh, it really is because uh, you know defensively you got to get three and outs. You yeah. know, spit the ball back to your offense. You got to get get a bunch of takeaways. You stop possessions that way. Spit the ball back to your offense, and then your offense has got to do a good job of having sustained drives, explosive plays, converting on third and fourth down. Like I said, is that a goal any weeks based on opponent time of possession? Is that fact? Is that a factor for you? Uh no, that's just okay. our style. Okay, I mean, that's just our style. That's how we that's how we play it. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Uh, Tom also told me a great story. And I want to bring it up because you love ball. Like few coaches I've met, it's it's like ingrained in you, period, end of story. Uh, when he went to the USFL, he's coached by George Allen. And George Allen said, I, the Bears drafted Tom, but he signed with the USFL and didn't tell the Bears. They drafted him anyway, and they basically said, we'll see you in a couple of years. That league's not going to last. So the long story boring is that George Allen said, hey, I, I – worked for George Hallis. I was his defensive coordinator. I think he doubled as a special teams coordinator. And he said, Tom, I am doing everything I can to get you ready to play for the Chicago Bears. It's your home team. You grew up here, blah, blah, blah. So he would give him, he bought him a projector, his own personal projector, and gave him tapes. And he gave him a tape one time. He gave him a nickel tape. He goes, I want you to watch this. And I got some questions for you. So Tom tells the story. And... George says, well, you're telling me what's going Who's the nickel? Tom was stopped dead in his tracks. He, he didn't know how to watch tape the right way. George Allen taught him that. Right. You teach your players so much. And the end result, and this is just my opinion going here. I'm just saying this. We could put about 25 guys right off the top of my head that have gotten better from week one because of coaching. Would you agree? I know it's a long story, but it speaks to a bigger point because you always say the partnership, the impact you make on these players, it's more than wins and losses. Yes, that, that determines a lot of different things from salaries to jobs. 
but the care that's put in by a coach who's a life that's a life lesson, life line to people. Yeah, it, it really is. And that, that partnership means something to us, you know, and it means something to the players. You know, it's it's a it's a true partnership. You know, it's a it's a give. You know, you want to give of yourself, give of your time to make the other person better. And the players are doing the same thing. They're giving of themselves and giving of their time, you know, to make themselves better. And and the product that we have is the players on the field. So we want that to be the very best and the most prepared and playing at f- the fastest rate you know, and executing at a high level. And how you do that is that true partnership. And it's got to be real because you have to have the ability to critique and criticize, you know, in the right way in terms of to, to get better. And that person, the player has to accept that criticism, okay? And, you know, and that critiquing because, and then you take that to the drills. You know, the drills are so important that they mimic the games because they have to be game-like, you know, and we, and we put guys in situations in our drill work that are exactly like the game. And sure enough, it'll show up. Now, you have these things called everyday drills, what we do, which those are the mundane things that each position does. You know, it's a it's a quarterback taking a five-step drop. It's a it's a, it's an O-tackle and a, a guard, you know, B-blocking a three-technique. It's it's a linebacker dropping to the hook. It's a DB backpedaling and plant pointing and driving. It's a receiver running a, a comeback route. Those are everyday things that they do. Um, but uh, we do also, you know, branch out a little bit. If there's a thing that, you know, is an issue or a problem for a particular player, we will drill that because then it becomes a strength and not a weakness anymore. And uh, we do that throughout the entire year, constantly improving, constantly getting better. And that's why you see the players get better. It's because of that partnership that he has with the coach. So how do you feel about this team? How do you feel about this team? Yeah, I feel really good about this team, but I also uh, felt really good about this team seven weeks ago. You know, and I felt good about this team 12 weeks ago, you know. So, um, and the reason why is because of the character of the men in the, in the locker room. And they've been steady the entire way. Um, they have always been, you know, always come to work, you know, every single time. You could, I don't think you could tell seven weeks ago as opposed to right now the, the work, the, the, the way they put the work in there, the way they put the work in in practice, the way they do it in the meetings and the walkthroughs, their focus has been great. The energy has been great all the way through. And it goes back to, like I've always said about the relationships we started to build, you know, back in the springtime, you know, cause every team's different, right? You know, the 2023 bears, you know, the, it's different than the, than the 22 and they will be different than the 24 bears, you know, so every team's different and you have to, you know, you know, give attention and care to each individual player and each individual team. Interesting about that. The 2023 now 2024 uh, last week of the season bears are a very different team from the week one bears. Com- I would almost say completely different. Yeah. There's been a lot of growth. There's been a lot uh, yes. of growth throughout the whole, uh, the rookies, uh, the second year guys, the third year guys, uh, the veterans that we brought brought along in terms of the free agents, you know, the 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 gelling and the consistency of of the football team, you know, is is really peaking at the right time, and it's because we want to peak at this time. You know, we want to really peak at the end of the season, play your best football in December, into January, and that can get you uh, uh, farther from there. All right, we have one minute to go. Does it kill you in any way, shape, or form? I'm sure the guys think about it. That you guys. As it turns out, we'll fall within a whisker short of making the playoffs. Um, by any singular play, any moment in a in a season of big plays and tough plays and tough losses and big wins. I mean, within a whisker. 
Does that does that eat at you? It it doesn't because okay. um, you know I think that everything can be learned from right. You know, so you know the playoff picture is what it is right now. So that you know that that is what it is. But what you can do is you can learn from that. You know, so you understand how important each game is, each play. You know, and us us you know showing our team. And again, we were we were zero four in the beginning of the season. Because a lot of reasons, right? You know, so the continuity wasn't there. Guys were injured. You know, we, you know, we had a whole new team coming together. You know, but at the end, now we finish this thing off the right way. Then you can say, okay, now we got to make sure the next year we we, we we start strong and finish strong, and that's and that's what we want to do, and that's a message we want to send to our players. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Hope you had a glass of champagne last night. I did not have a glass of champagne, though. I had a couple of Moscow mules, though. All right, good enough. Maybe a cigar. No, I don't smoke. Okay, very good. Thank you, Matt. All right, we got to give some really good props to Matt Eberflus, Tom. He's kept the team together. They're a completely different team than we saw in the first four weeks of the season, the first six weeks of the season. They're they're a solid football team right now, a, a good football team. They've won 7 of 12. I mean, 7-5 and five record and within a whisker of going to the playoffs. They're not going, and that's a sad – that's sad because – if I'm a player, I'm thinking back to how many missed opportunities that this franchise had to be a playoff team this year. They are good enough to be a playoff team, but they were just good enough to get beat also. Right. And that's unfortunate because, yeah. you know, you and I pay attention. We watch. We listen to a lot of different football shows all around the country. And that's what I do during the football season. I don't – I'm not a music listener. I'm not a, a you know, TV program watcher. I listen. So over the time of driving home yesterday and today, I think the biggest compliment sometimes that you can get paid by people that don't watch the Bears as much as we do is them saying at this time, this is not a team you want to play. This is a team that really scares you. This is a team that has – this asset and that asset, and they have a quarterback like this. They have a defense that's playing like that. And I, I, it really excites me about the future because when you talk about these uh, people that are all around the country, that's what they're looking at right now is the team you don't want to play. Yeah. It's the Chicago Bears. Yeah, I brought that up with uh, Matt Eberflus in our interview, as you heard. And, uh, you know, he wants to just focus on the now. He's not thinking yep. about anything other than today. And that's the way he's approached the whole season. So he's not going to change just because they've experienced some success. That's the funny thing. People always ask me, oh, how's Matt now? No, Matt's the same guy. He's the same guy, win or lose. There's no difference. Now, behind the scenes and his emotions, I, I mean, I think he has that. Yeah, he, has, he has a lot of emotion he brings to the table. You hear snippets from people. But overall, this guy is trying to reflect somebody that's in control and messaging has got to be on point from his view to the players and the staff. He treats the coaches like he does the players, holds everybody accountable, and he holds himself accountable. So I, I, I like his approach in good times and bad. You know, one thing I like about the Bears team, when I, what I've learned to like about that approach by Matt Eberflus is, okay, let's, let's look at this team and let's look at uh, Darnell Wright. Braxton Jones, Nate Davis, Tevin Jenkins. Then let's look at Tyreek Stevenson, Terrell Smith, um, we, Dexter, Zach Pickens. 
We have guys, Jeff, that have just begun to scratch the surface of what they can ultimately be. So for Matt ever to have a conclusive thought about what this team can be and where it's going in the future, I think you're selling tomorrow's progress short. And you have to continuously have uh, Chris Morgan work with his offensive linemen, have the running backs coach work with Roshan Johnson and the rest of that crew, have John uh, – have uh, – um, the John defensive Hope. back, John Hope, the defensive backfield coaches work with these young defensive backs. So, yeah, I, I think it's it's kind of um, good for Matt Eberflus to have his sights on tomorrow, not two months from now. Well, it's interesting. All those guys you mentioned, I think we'd agree they all got better. Every one of, of them. Of course, but they got so much better to get. And yeah. That's the most right. encouraging thing about it. I think when you, you know, talk about – developing an offense around a guy like Darnell Wright beforehand, you really don't know how much you can feed him or what he's capable of doing. Now you got some of it, somewhat of an indication of with the weight room, with the off season, with the dietitian, what he can do mentally and physically, where you could possibly go with this offense. Because listen, there are areas that you need to have a better short yardage and goal line offense. And he's the type of guy that can help you build that. So um, I I do think when you look at some of these guys and what their future can be, man, it's got to be exciting for them as well as the coaches. Bears fans, you can be there for live NFL action all season long as the official ticket marketplace for the Bears in the NFL. Ticketmaster has a wide selection of tickets available for every game. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash Bears. Remaining moments, I got a couple of questions. One, he had a great game in Washington, and I feel Justin had a great game against Atlanta. Uh, which one was better, in your opinion? Wow. Um, I, I almost I don't want to ask answer a question with a question. That's fine. But to me, I've always been searching about what is the identity of the Bears' offense. To me, the identity of the Bears' offense against the Commanders was throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. Great protection, great timing, great accuracy by Justin, an explosive record-setting game by DJ Moore. Um, over the last two weeks, what's the identity of the Bears? 250 yards rushing, 192 yards rushing in the last two games. Your identity there is running the ball to open up all those other yeah. aspects. Well, so, can't, can't you have, uh, like you pull out a drawer and you got a bunch of utensils, I'm going to need the knife today, I'm going to need the spoon Next week, I'm going to need the the bigger knife the week after. I mean, do you do you care? Well, to, to me, I think a bigger influence on an offensive football program is being able to run the ball at that well week in and week out because then that opens your downfield passing game. You're more in control of the defensive personnel. Play action pass is more effective. You create running lanes for the running back and the quarterback. So. I, I, to me, I think that when you have a running game that is the defensive coordinator's first concern for 17 weeks, there's so much more yeah. you have available to you in offense. And I'm thinking uh, a defensive coordinator's first concern is Justin Fields' legs and is, uh, as we said yesterday, the Houdini acts that he's pulling. I mean, that's, that's rare. I mean, you're not always going to be able to do that. And they were, they were popping him. I mean, Caden Ellis was yeah. popping. Caden Ellis, that blitz, that was an ugly blitz untouched down the middle of the pike. Um, but I, I'm somewhat being hypocritical here because me too, I'm all about the run. I, I, 
if we rush for 360, I'd be completely happy with that. Um, but the downfield component with a guy like DJ, you got to make the most of it. You really yeah. do. And you it's know, set up I, by the play action. Yeah. And, and work the middle of the field. I love, and you've heard me say this too, I'm a middle of the field guy. I love Cole Komet over the middle of the field more than trying to fit something in in those windows against a cover two and those 18-yard zones outside where it's open, but you got to feather it in there and layer it in there and that you're on a posted stamp, and, it, you know, the, the great quarterbacks do that, but I love the slant and goes. I mean, I have visions of a, a Jerry Rice on a slant and go, and he runs down the middle field. You can't catch him even though he didn't run very fast. I mean, you know what I mean? That, that to me, kills a defense is when you sucker them down the middle. Just try to analogize uh, what a team has to be in order to win the Super Bowl. When you look at the 85 Bears, we led the league in scoring. We led the league in time of possession. We led the league in rushing. We had Walter Payton in the backfield. We had Willie Galt, Dennis McKinnon, Emery Moorhead in, in the, as receivers. We had Jim McMahon, who understand the passing game as well as anybody in the league at that time. You think of the compliment it paid to the defense when they didn't have to spend a lot of time on the field, right. and it increased the aggressiveness that the defensive core, Buddy Ryan, could use with the personnel he had. Now, if you take this Bears team and you have that rushing component and you have DJ and the rest of the receivers, including Cole Komet, and then what you can do with the defense and how much more vicious – you could be yep. and and your your attack philosophy. Um, so I, listen, the ultimate goal is to win the Super Bowl. And if you want to complement this team and you can run the ball in a time consumption scoring type of a way, you know, set your sights on the division and set your sights on a Super Bowl. Good news, Chicago United Airlines getting brand new planes with all the bells and whistles like Bluetooth connectivity, screens at every seat and room for everyone's roller bag. United, proud to fly the Chicago Bears and you too. And take a chance, download the Bet Rivers app today. All right, here's our Packer preview. You got a couple of minutes to break it down. Let's start uh, with your uh, number one focus. I'm sure it's going to be Kenny Clark. And how do you mute a red-hot Jordan Love? Because he's playing well. You know, um, yeah, Jordan Love, the guy has really done a nice job this year. Um, from the Bears playing him the first game of the year, I think he's a much better player right now than he was at the first game of the year. He's got a group of receivers that's not the Watson that they drafted. You know, he's been injured throughout the season, but he has rookie receivers on record-setting paces. And so the way he's been able to complement a shifting offensive line and a shifting receiver group and injuries to Aaron Jones, he's done a great job. Um, and, uh, you know, it's not hard for me to compliment him because I like to see players in the NFL, no matter who they play for, develop up to their expectations. And then when you talk about the other side of the ball and Kenny Clark, the dude's a record. He is a great defensive tackle. And you think of defensive uh, game plans, okay, I got I to gotta block this middle linebacker. I got to make sure this defensive back has responsibilities. I can't get beat by this safety. This guy lines up right above the football. He's the closest path to the quarterback and the running game than anybody else in that football field. If you don't feel that you can devise a scheme – how to attack him from every angle unsuspectedly, 
it will be difficult to have that type of running game that we've just been bragging about. So you, you better think of a plan of attack against Kenny Clark. Game day snacking calls for good foods. Chunky guacamole made with Haas avocados, tomatoes, onions, cilantro, and a squeeze of lime juice. It's the perfect snack to watch while the Bears win. Score some today at your local grocery store. Game day is guac day. Game day will be Sunday, 325 at Lambeau Field. We do love the division battles, and we're going to love this one, especially if the outcome favors the navy blue and orange. Tom, thank you very much. I wish it was noon. Yeah, I know. Me too. I don't want to wait to 325. <laughs> I wish it was a noon. NFC Central, Lambeau Field, Chicago Bear game to set that football, that last football Sunday, you know, off yep. to a rocket start. But we'll be there early and we'll be there on time. Bring the coffee, Tom. For Tom Thayer, I'm Jeff Joniak, our next Bears, etc. podcast coming to you on Thursday. We'll take a deep dive on the Green Bay Packers. The Bears can knock them out of the playoff mix, but more importantly, the Bears can finish the season strong and with a message. Thanks for listening, everyone. Please subscribe now on the Chicago Bears official app, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bear down, everybody.